Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say: your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today! At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I wish I had the power to create one of those BuzzFeed surveys, and 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 the survey would be like, "What into the woods character are you during quarantine?" You know- I'm Jack's mother for sure. <laughs> like no doubt about it. Just like panicked. And annoying, just completely Sorry, neurotic, and like truly, <laughs> the sky's falling. I think I've become little red in that I can't stop eating. <laughs> I just did order bread. Did you? Yeah, we like we are like trying to support you know local, local whatever for whatever. sure. And um, at seven a.m. this morning, we got a knock on our door that our bread has arrived, and we got like. A loaf of sourdough and a loaf of sandwich bread and、yes. like some babka and some bagels and treats and I'm like, wow, truly living that little red life. <laughs> Welcome everybody to a musical theater podcast where we discuss the cultural and emotional impact of some of our favorite musicals in theater history. My name is Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. Today we're talking Into the Woods with Miss Sarah Kapner. Hi, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> I'm so grateful you're here、um, via my phone to discuss to discuss the show. I feel like you're the perfect guest. Oh my gosh. You're such a theater icon in many、ah! ways. My God, Jeff! Don't you think so, though? I mean, you have to. I mean, that's like literally the nicest thing that anybody's ever said to me. <laughs>、um, I don't know if I like can totally agree with that sentiment, but I feel like I I'm gonna say you're like the, the Ashley Judd of musical theater, in which like <laughs> you are your own genre. Like I'd be I'd be like, hey, Jeff, we、I'm、need a Sarah Kapner type. I'm literally gonna cry. That is so <laughs> nice. I have a really good friend. I'm sure you know her name,、um, but her name is Betsy Morgan. Yes, she's kind of like iconic, and we were in the same acting class for years. And、uh, a breakdown came out that said Betsy Morgan type, and <gasps> we were all like, "You've made it! Like you've made it!" But seriously, that's when you know. Donna McKechnie said once that she couldn't get seen for a role that said Donna McKechnie type. Those are my favorite stories ever. Like, are you kidding me? I've heard that one before. That's insane. Talk to me about the band's visit. So you guys, oh, are, my beloved. Yeah. So you're currently in this national tour, the first national of the Tony Award-winning best musical, Tony Award-winning best musical, Band's Visit. 
so cool speaking about like some of the best shows ever written like truly yeah in my opinion one of one of the best shows ever uh-huh. uh yeah we're we're on a hiatus for now we don't really know when we're going to return but uh we are told that we will return when it is safe to do so and i am really looking forward to that day because that show is so special and it was so not done being shared with the rest of the country right equity has been our our union has been incredible uh at like uh talking to the producers and and helping us all get on the same page and so we are all slated to return um and finish out our contracts we just don't know when that's gonna be fingers crossed uh yeah and you have into the woods experience because you played little red at the muni with like mm-hmm. the most all-star cast ever. Like actually it was insane. <laughs> it I, was really insane. I can't even believe it. So it was it was you as Little Red. You had freaking Heather Headley, goddess of Aida, as like, the witch. Like literally couldn't even get over it. Still can't get over it. I, I mean, I will still pull up the B-roll from the production. I know. Just to hear know, her sing too. like eight bars of Stay With Me. <laughs> um, Like her children will listen is iconic. <laughs> And then you had Jason Gautier as as Jack, right? Yes, he is um, one of my oldest and dearest friends. Oh, seriously? And... Oh, how funny. Yeah. How cute. Yeah, you didn't know that? No, that's so sweet. Um, spoiler alert, he was my very first boyfriend. <gasps> um, we were very much in love. And, you know, as one does, he came out like later in life and we became like true best friends and so we've we've been best friends since we were 15 and the this for us was like of it all i know uh it, this was a true bucket list moment for us since and i mean we were like in new york city at the professional performing arts school seeing shows on broadway and, and like sitting front row like little nerds and so like for us to be up on the muni stage with like heather headley spitting in our face we were like this is <laughs> the best moment of our lives <laughs> um so us getting to do that job together was like a dream come true that's that's pretty fantastic now i yeah. the last person i wanted to talk about from that cast is aaron dilly who played oh my god the baker's the icon like icon yes. like the best person now i'm just putting this out there if you yeah. Get Aaron Dilly to do my podcast and talk about <laughs> Martin Gare because I've been obsessed with it. And then she was like on a tour that was going to Broadway and then something happened and it never made it. And I've been obsessed with it ever since. If uh-huh. if you can make this happen, I will do something dramatic. I will I will bake. I'll bake you cookies and overnight them. Um, That's what I'll do. All right. That is a challenge I will accept gladly. OK, thank you. I will I will work my hardest to make this happen. Thank you. I appreciate it. She's an icon. Uh, yes, she is. Okay. But you may be most well known. That's right. The Sarah intro is still continuing. You. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think people may know you best for your thrilling role in the Lifetime film Murder Pact. Now, I wanted to bring up Murder Pact because... Number one icon. It's how we know each other. It's how we know each other. But also, um, there are musical numbers in that film, and you wear a red cape again. Wait, at and actually, we filmed that the year that I did Into the Woods at the Muni. It was the so, year like, of the red cape. It was. It was the year of the red cape. I <laughs> I felt like I had more um, Instagram photos of me in red capes than I mean, maybe anybody ever. 
<laughs> I mean, I, it's truly a, an honor. I wear the uh, Sarah Kapner type always involves a red cape. A red cape. Yeah. Or roller skates at this point. You do you roller skate a lot? I roller skate in the band's visit, baby. Oh, of course. Yeah. D- did you roller skate before? No. Uh, I learned to roller skate when I was a kid because this is like a stupid fun fact, but um, I peaked at 12 and I um, <laughs> I got um, two Broadway shows at one time, never to receive an offer for a Broadway show again. However, wait, um, I, I know that you did. I know you did Hollywood Arms, Carol Burnett. I did when play. I was yeah when I was twelve, and I also that same year got into the children's chorus of Baz Luhrmann's La Boheme. Oh my gosh! And some of those children needed to roller skate, so I learned to roller skate back then. So like I. I mean, and also like how many of us, we all like rollerbladed as children. So like I knew how to rollerblade slash skate, but like this is a different kind of coordination that you need when you're like, there is a stage that has a precipice that you cannot fall over. So it's, it's not the easiest, but now we're so used to it that I like, I'm not like roller derby status, but I do feel very comfortable on skates. I have often thought about how much roller skating is involved in musical theater. I'm so ready for Xanadu. I think there's something thrilling and scary about watching um, people on roller skates because you're like, will they be okay? And then when they are, you're like, wow, that was that was thrilling. Might I say excited and scared. The motto of my life. Amen. Now, today we're covering Into the Woods because a listener requested it. So thank you, Amanda, for Thanks, requesting Amanda. Into Great the Woods. Thanks, Amanda. Great request. You're right. Um, and in her email request for us to do Into the Woods, she kind of spelled out why. And I actually want to read what she said because it's pretty beautiful. She This is part of it. She wrote, it is magical, it is magnetic, but also pedagogic. $5 vocab word. The show. Why do I not know what that means? (laughs) (laughs) Like I could make a guess, but I think I need a full um, definition to be like, oh, yeah, totally. I'm going to bring up like the Merriam-Webster so that we can pedagogic or pedagogical means Mm -hmm. relating to teaching. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thanks, Amanda. Continuing on. The show is littered with overt messages and morals, as is fitting for a compilation of fairy tales about parenthood and childhood, love and loss and Mm. longing Mm -hmm. and being Mm. discontent, dreaming and regretting and what it means to be happy. Oh, my God. Right. She's giving me life. But I think what makes it most relevant for right now and why I thought to make the request is because of the message at the end that you are not alone. Even if you suddenly find that your world is scary and lonely and shaky and uncertain, that you are not alone, that no one is alone, truly. Oh, yes. Wow. That's so real. Dang, Amanda. Sondheim. Amanda and Sondheim. The duo we didn't know we needed. <laughs> this is a duet made in heaven, Amanda and Stephen. I... I'm very grateful that she she wrote that, and it actually sent me down a little bit of a my own path to reach out to my little podcast community and ask for their favorite moments or lyrics, quotes from the show, 
because mm-hmm. I realized that everybody walks away with the show with a different message. So oh, absolutely. There's so many. Right. I had them send in their little voice memos and I've compiled a montage of oh, those of those voice memos. And I'm going to play it now. So here we go. Oh, thank God. Hey, musical theater podcast fam. My name is Van Angelo, and my favorite Sondheim lyric from Into the Woods is just remembering you've had an and when you're back to or makes the or mean more than it did before. Thanks so much for your amazing work. Hope you're staying safe during this quarantine. Bye. Hey, Jeff and the musical theater podcast listeners. This is Rachel Bailey. My favorite lyrics in Into the Woods are from the finale, and they go, careful the things you say, children will listen. Careful the things you do. Children will see and learn. Children may not obey, but children will listen. Children will look to you for which way to turn to learn what to be. Careful before you say, listen to me. Hi, this is Colden, and this is my favorite line from Into the Woods. Now, I'm going to put on my fifth-rate Bernadette Peters impersonation for this. Some of us don't like the way you've been telling it. Hi, my name is Jean Trey. I am um, recording this in Alhambra. My favorite lyric from Into the Woods is, I'm not good, I'm not bad, I'm just right. I'm the witch, you're the world. Hi, I'm Gemma. I play Cinderella's Prince in Into the Woods Junior, and I want to tell you my favorite line of mine in the show. If he's been crushed, well then. There's nothing any of us can do about that, now is there? The slotted spoon can catch the potato. We want four, we have none. We've got three, we need one. It takes two. The roof, the house, and your mother at the door. The roof, the house, and the world you never thought to explore. Into the Woods has so many wise words of advice, but as a mom, I have to choose Cinderella's advice when she says, Mother cannot guide you, now you're on your own. Only me beside you, still, you're not alone. It's Matthew, Matthew Malecki. My two favorite Into the Woods quotes slash lyrics are definitely... You may know what you need, but to get what you want, better see that you keep what you have. And my other one is definitely, opportunity is not a lengthy visitor. Hi, this is Casey Guys from Bangor, Maine. I love Into the Woods, and I love when Jack says, I buried her in a footprint. This line gets a different reaction from the audience every time I see a production. Sometimes the audience laughs, sometimes there's silence, they miss the line. Sometimes there's a mixed reaction. I think it's a devastating line. I cry every time. And then I think about how Jack is trying to make the best out of a terrible situation, this awful thing that's happening to them. And that's very relevant for today. All right. So thank you, everybody who sent in those voice messages. You're amazing. And uh, this episode is dedicated to all of you. Now, Into the Woods was written, of course, Words of Music by Stephen Sondheim, book by James Lapine, who also directed it. Uh, They had worked together previously on Sunday in the Park with George, I think in 84, 83, 84. And that show 
was one of the few musicals to win the Pulitzer Prize for drama. So they were coming off a, a big hit, at least artistically, um, because let's be honest, most of Sondheim shows aren't huge financial hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so they're now looking for something else to do together. And Sondheim decides that he wants to do kind of a quest musical, a musical uh, akin to, say, The Wizard of Oz. Um, so that, Man, they really did it. Right? Seriously. In the meantime, however, they also approach Chuck Lorre, who has basically created every CBS sitcom that you can think of. And they approach him about doing this project where all of the characters of all of his famous CBS sitcoms interact like they come together in I think maybe a hospital setting or something like that and Chuck Lorre likes it and asks them to write a screenplay they're not really interested in writing the screenplay though they just wanted to pitch the idea I think and be producers on it so that project gets set aside but they use the mashup concept with the original desire to create a quest musical and voila into the woods is born i love that a quest musical right they put it together in workshops and then it premieres in san diego west coast at (laughs) at the old globe theater in 1986 at that point i believe is when no one is alone gets written for the show up until that point, it didn't exist. He wrote it while they were in rehearsals in San Diego. And wow. also at that point, the witch was played by Ellen Foley. And this woman, I don't, have you ever heard of her? No. Who is that? So she was a television actor in the 80s. She was on that show Night Court for many seasons. And wow. she also had a recording career working with Meatloaf. Like that would, th- and that was like her one of her big collaborations. This woman, well, Meatloaf is kind of like a, a gateway drug into musical theater. I feel hallelujah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That is some high drama. <laughs> if if you like, go on Spotify and listen to this woman because her voice is insane. It's amazing. Yeah, like she has this huge like Pat Benatar voice. Ooh, I love some Pat Benatar. Right? And I'm not entirely sure why she was replaced by Bernadette Peters, who is flawless in in Well, we know Sondheim loves Bernadette. For sure. I mean, obviously, she had been in Sunday in the Park. But I also think that Ellen Foley, uh, according to her IMDb, she was in Fatal Attraction, which came out at the same time as Into the Woods. So I wonder if she just decided to focus. Yeah, if she just decided to focus more on film. And I'm so, sure that was it. And so then Bernadette comes over and, and takes over. What's kind of funny though is Bernadette then left Into the Woods pretty early to do her own film stuff and Felicia Rashad takes over. What? What? Yeah. Do you know Felicia Rashad was my fiance's uh, college acting teacher? I have no words. I know. And then he went on to do St. Joan with her daughter You're, on Broadway. Get get out. Get out of here. Yeah. So we love them. But then Ellen comes back to Broadway and, and does The Witch at some point. Oh, she does? Yeah. And I can't find well, any footage of it. it for like two it, years, it right? Great. When it yeah. originally opened? Yeah, exactly. It opens yeah. on Broadway. It runs, I think, just over 700 performances pretty good yeah which is i mean especially for a sondheim show he doesn't usually get much more than that it's considered a hit it comes out the same season as the juggernaut known as phantom of the opera Hmm. 
And so at the Tony Awards, Phantom was, you know, expected to just sweep everything because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, Phantom. However, Into the Woods wins Best Book. I mean. Best Music and Mm -hmm. Best Actress for Joanna Gleason, which is impressive because uh, for Phantom to, you know, be the biggest show almost of ever and to lose best book and best music to to into the woods is is saying something it's a pretty but big how statement how can you even compare the music you just can't you can't you really they're on two different planes agreed bernadette doesn't get nominated for best actress which is i like almost just gagged like that's actually insane yeah uh, the actress nominees that year were Allison Fraser for Romance, Romance, who is... Do you know Romance, Romance? No. It's this four-person show. It's kind of weird. I've actually done it. <laughs> that um, tracks, I feel. <laughs> right? <laughs> the first act takes place in like the Victorian era, and then the second act is like a modern day, and both are these little romantic stories. And the music's fantastic. They're, like If you want a good audition song, go to Romance Romance because, man, really? it's just full of them. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I got I to gotta educate myself. Then uh, you got Joanna Gleason for playing the Baker's Wife, who, in my opinion, is like the great bambino of musical theater. She, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. In terms of getting a funny musical theater line and just like knocking it out of the park. You know what I mean? She's just going to hit a home run every time. Every single time. Also, we could I, I we could do a whole podcast just about the Baker's wife. Like, oh, for sure. That it is I, I in my opinion the best the best role in the show. And and that's saying something. True. Yeah. Then we have also got Judy Kuhn who is nominated for Chess. It's interesting that Judy Kuhn was in this? No, she no. Sorry, at the Tony Awards. Oh, oh, right, right, right. She was nominated for Chess, and then Patty Lapone was nominated for Anything Goes, and I think Patty was upset because she thought she was going to win. Um, no comment. No comment. <laughs> then, I love Patty, but oh, for sure. Then for Best Musical, the nominees were Into the Woods, Phantom of the Opera, which wins, Romance, Romance, which we've also talked about, and Serafina. Have you ever heard of that show? No. It's interesting. It's a it's a South African musical about apartheid. What? How, oh my god! Why hasn't it got a revival? And that sounds like it needs to be revived yesterday. Seriously. And Whoopi Goldberg turned it into a film in like '92. Where have I been, truly? So let's go. Let's go check out Serafina next. That's what let's I'm screaming. Check out Serafina. What's really cool, I think, about Into the Woods is that it's kind of a pioneer. I think it's one of the first projects that subverted nostalgia in a big artistic way. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Specifically with the fairy tales, right? This was before yeah. Shrek or Wicked or Snow White and the Huntsman or Maleficent or mm-hmm. even that yeah. TV show Once Upon a Time. It's the first out of all of those. And yeah. I think that what it gets really right is that it's subversive while, number one, respecting... The journeys of the original characters yeah. in their stories, and at the same time, revealing a greater truth or even a more profound truth than was even explored originally. Because you look at, say, Shrek, 
And at least with the original film. Also an excellent musical. It is a good musical. Uh, oh, but I love I w- Shrek. But when I look at that original film, the original animated film, mm-hmm. the greatest feeling I get for them is we're not a Disney film. Like that that's what they were screaming louder than anything. And then with something like Wicked, which is also in- incredibly successful in my opinion, but it completely negates the Dorothy experience of Wizard of Oz yeah. in order to reach the heights that it does. So, yeah. And Into the Woods doesn't fall into any of either of those traps, which I think is very impressive. You know what else I'm so obsessed with about Into the Woods and What's that? like oh, so many things, but um the fact that the two acts can stand alone by themselves almost. Yes. Hasn't, and they are so different. It's like mind blowing. Has an intermission ever been more expertly used? It's no, honestly. Then probably Into not. The Woods. I don't think so. Me either. I the first time I saw Into the Woods was like a community production of it, and I had friends in it. And I remember, I'd say half of the audience slept to their feet at the end of the first act because they thought it was over. You could certainly leave after the first act and learn a million things and have a, a wonderfully moving, altering experience. Like, it, it, it still functions as, as a musical in one act. And, like, to be fair, if I'm being, like, totally honest with you, I think most musicals should be 90 no's. 90 minute no intermission agree 90 no's oh my gosh i've never heard it expressed that way and uh, it's stolen i've officially taken it from a 90 no 90 no you can have it you can have it i i the last two shows that i've done are 90 no's and the fact that i can like eat dinner at a normal hour and like go to bed at a normal time is like amazing um and i think that most musicals should be a 90 no but into the woods cannot be a 90 no no it's like one of maybe five musicals that i think cannot be a 90 no and if, obviously. And it's like, is it long? Yeah. But you know what? So is Nicholas Nickleby. And yeah, for if, sure. And if y'all are paying big time money to go see Harry Potter, not once, but twice to like <laughs> see the full show, you can sit yeah. for three hours yeah. and watch all of Into the Woods. <laughs> yeah. My brother would beg to differ who saw it at the Muni and was not thrilled about being in the 100 degree heat for three hours. But that's oh, a whole other thing. shoot. Was it really yeah, it was that so hot? hot. Oh, yeah, and I was wearing a fur coat, baby. I have In those production stills, you look dewy and not sweaty, and that's impressive. Well, it's because they keep the dressing rooms at, like, a cool 45 so that when you go back out, you can, like, kind of handle it. You know what also is interesting is that Into the Woods got some pretty terrible reviews when it came out. Man, the 80s were such a different time for musical theater. Well, and that's for it was, sure, too. It was, also, this was like the antithesis of what was going on because wasn't this like when, uh, yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber was at his peak. This was like right before Cats, right? This was after Cats. So After Cats. So yeah. after Cats, after Phantom of the Opera, the Disney stuff was probably just happening because the Disney stuff was early 90s, right? When that, that was like a huge shift in Broadway. Yeah, this was, so this is right in the middle of the British invasion, which is kind of right. the death of American musical theater. Sure. So this, it, it's kind of like unprecedented what happened with Into the Woods. Yeah, and then it's right before Disney does Little Mermaid which is 89 so it's right before the disney birth or disney renaissance excuse me so this is happening at a you're right at a very singular point in was Broadway it beauty history. and the beast the first disney musical 
Uh, Beauty and the Beast was the first Disney, like the first Broadway Disney musical. Right, right. For sure. Yeah, but Little Mermaid, I, I in was terms of being an animated like, film, yeah. is is almost a rebirth of musical theater where you're like, oh, yeah. wow, this is an interesting art form. And, you're, and we're like, yes, America, it's called musical theater. It's been around since 1920, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get with the program. Yeah. So, yeah, it, uh, it it is very singular in that sense. And I think... Now that we've had 30 years to kind of digest it, we're more apt to to really yeah to play with it and appreciate it and see it for what it is. And honestly, doing an episode of like one episode about it feels incredibly daunting to me. And Mm -hmm. I try to do as much research as I can to distill my thoughts succinctly because there are (laughs) like it's just an onion that you can peel forever. Um, Wow, that's that's a great way to put it. Thank you. Okay, so can we dive in? You want to dive into the show? Let's. Oh my God, so badly. So the show opens with a narrator who is telling the story of these fairy tales. Now, these fairy tales come from two sources. Number one, the Brothers Grimm, and then Charles Perrault. These are two very famous writers who created most of the fairy tales that we now know. Uh, They are also kind of infamous for having quite a bit of childhood psychology found within them. So I I think that makes them ripe for this type of analysis. (laughs) The narrator's telling the story, and we meet Cinderella, we meet uh, Jack, and we meet two characters known as the baker and his wife. Now, the kind of the main part of this first section is this idea of desire, of wishing, of wanting mm. for something. Mm-hmm. And each of them wants something The, the original I want song, if you will. For sure, right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> so you got Cinderella who wants to go to the festival. She's dying for enjoyment because she's basically a prisoner and slave in her own home to her stepmother and sisters. I love that Cinderella's father is alive. And just kind of not, he's like a drunk who's not present, which is an interesting detail that Cinderella doesn't often get. Yeah. You've got Jack who wants his cow to give some milk, his cow named Milky White. And the cow needs to give some milk because they're incredibly poor. They have no food. And if the cow can't produce milk, then Jack's got to get rid of the cow. And then you've got the baker and his wife, who many say is are like original characters, but they yeah, are. I was going to say, do you know if they're in any storybooks? They are in the original Rapunzel in the ah. in the fact that Rapunzel has an origin story in the original tale. And what they want is lineage. They want a child. As they're kind of expressing this want, uh, Little Red comes in, Little Red Riding Hood, comes into the the baker and his wife to get some baked goods because she's on her way to Granny's house, yeah? Mm -hmm. And that is Little Red's reason for going into the woods, is that she's making this delivery to Granny's house. They tell her to make sure to stay on the path. Good advice. Yeah, right? Good advice. Mm -hmm. Um, This version of Little Red, how would you describe her? She's hungry. <laughs> She's starving. Starving. <laughs> starving. Um, you you know that little girl ain't following that path just from meeting her the yes. very first jump. The what I love about um the the prologue of this is she is 
stuffing her face in between um, singing a patter song, um, which is like one of those things that you wouldn't think is so hard, but it actually is really hard. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Where do you swallow <laughs> saliva in general? It's more, we it's don't more talk about enough. the gathering. For sure. Um, I know for our production, um, we used uh, meringues because oh. they dissolve faster in your mouth. Smart. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, delicious. Yeah, it was great. It was very refreshing on like a hot summer day. I bet. So then Little Red is off. Um, After Little Red leaves, then we meet the witch from next door who lives next door to the baker and his wife. She's kind of an ugly old crow, typical witch that you would think. And she sings the most epic rap in all of musical theater. Yeah. Including Hamilton. Including Hamilton. She raps about what? Vegetables. Iconic. She has this whole spiel that she's... I'm not entirely sure why she has waited until now to tell the baker and his wife about this this whole curse that has been placed on their household. But for whatever reason, she tells them that the reason they can't get pregnant is because his father, when his mother was pregnant, climbed into her garden and started taking all these vegetables because she was having all of these pregnancy cravings for greens. And in the rap, we learn how many greens she has. It's it's extensive, to say the least. She has a gorgeous garden. Yeah. And, like, if that wasn't bad enough, along with stealing all of these greens, he also steals some beans. And of all of the garden... These beans are magic, and by taking them out of the garden, it's kind of a forbidden curse is unleashed. We later find out that that curse is what turned her into the ugly old witch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Up until that point, she had been this, like, beautiful seductress, it seems. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, like, along on this ride. I'm like, yeah, this is a great show. (laughs) (laughs) So then the witch tells them, all right, but here's the thing. If you want to undo the curse, I have a little potion for you, and Mm -hmm. it needs to include the following ingredients. Are you ready? The cow is white as milk. The cape is red as blood. The hair is yellow as corn. The slipper is pure as gold. What you didn't know you needed on on this Friday morning. You're exactly right. These are the ingredients that they need to find. So now... The baker says, well, I'm going to go into the woods to find these things because that's where you have to go. And the baker's wife's like, but I want to come. He's like, absolutely not. This isn't meant for you. This is a man's job. And I'll see you later. Uh, She is not about that life. And Mm -hmm. so she kind of sneaks off as well. Meanwhile, back with Jack, uh, his mother says, look, the cow isn't producing any milk. You got to go sell the cow. To market. And so then he heads into the woods. Cinderella wants to go to the ball or this festival. And the stepsisters and stepmother kind of create this horrible thing where they dump lentils into the fireplace and say, "Okay, you have to pick. What a choice. Right. That in in the original story. It must have been. I'm there are so many versions of the Cinderella story. But yes, I think it is. Lentils. And if not. Why not chickpeas? And. (laughs) Lentils you know? lentils are even tinier, Smaller. though. yeah. Chia seeds. I really appreciate how many vegetables are in this show. This is a very pro-vegetarian. Vegetable-forward farmer's market moment. Yes, farm-to-table musical. Yeah. 
<laughs> there should be like you know that Sweeney Todd that they had in the pie shop downtown. <gasps> there should be like a site specific. Well, I mean, you could argue that the Muni was kind of site specific because sure. we were like in a park. But can you imagine like in a vegetable garden, like a site specific into the woods? I want a into the woods in the garden. Into the woods in the garden. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Do you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and go there. Let's make an Into the Woods theme park where you can go into the witch's garden. And if you try and steal the beans, like there's a bang crash, the lightning flash. And well, that's another story. Never mind anyway. Oh, my God. I'm there. I'm so there. Wow. (laughs) I'm picturing like the Disney World ride, like the E.T. ride, except we're like, you know, going through the forest. Anyway, continue. Thank you. And then uh, toward the end of the day, it just takes a really dark turn and you never go back. So Cinderella gets all of the lentils out. Like she just works her tail off and manages to, you know, do exactly what they say. It's so weird. And then they still don't let her go to the festival because she doesn't look pretty. So then she decides what she's going to do is go to her mother's grave in the woods because that's kind of one of her sources of light and love and wisdom. So now everybody's headed into the woods for their own reasons. Mm-hmm. And if I... Longest need... prologue in musical theater history. For sure. And it's like 22 minutes or something. Is it really? Yeah, it's in the 20s, I'm pretty sure. So like in rehearsals, you're, you're like, okay, let's run the prologue. Yeah. You're going to need a break afterwards. It's like, all right. Yeah. Thank you, 10. <laughs> In case I actually have to spell this out, the woods obviously is a metaphor for just life. Yeah. Going into the unknown to find what you want, for better or worse. Speaking of unknown, when you type in into the woods, some of the first things that come up are into the unknown unknown. and lost in the woods, both of which are from Frozen 2. Wow. Okay, so... Now they're in the woods. Cinderella's at her mom's grave and she gets exactly what she wants. The the her like the spirit of her mother is there at the grave, which goes right along with the no one is alone theme throughout the show. Like mm. no one's ever mm-hmm. really gone in the show. Mm. Yeah, so, even uh, Baker's wife comes back at the end. Yeah, exactly. So Cinderella's mom allows her to have this beautiful dress so that she can go to the festival wait can i just say one thing please now you've kind of opened up my eyes cinderella literally says mother cannot guide you now you're on your own Mm -hmm. but in the beginning of the show her mother literally guided her but by the time she says that the grave has been destroyed oh that's true and so she's kind of dealing with the loss of her like source of okay okay fair 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 fair. okay So then Little Red meets the wolf. Now, talk to me about this because it's mm-hmm. it's downright creepy and as it should be. Oh, yeah. But it's it's a little sexual, right? Oh, it's very sexual. The thing is, is she doesn't know that it's sexual. So right. from like my perspective, she's just oblivious and she's happily eating her treats. And she's like, oh, this nice wolf. Hi, Mr. Wolf. Like, you know, what's up? Um so from that perspective, like, it's not as intense. However, like, this is this is something that happens in, in real life. Like, there are predators out there, and you have to be careful. And I think that was something that Sondheim was not trying to shy away from. But For also, sure. there's something that, like, 
as an audience member, you like have the creepy crawlies by watching this. And the only way to kind of do it is by this like undercover sexual energy, you know? Yeah. There's something incredibly carnal about Mm -hmm. a wolf eating a child. Right. (laughs) I mean, he's, he's hungry. Everybody's worst nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. So like the subtext is unavoidable. Right. There's this girl who has no idea that there's a force trying to destroy her. And she made a fatal error in telling where she was going. Oh, yeah. Right. So now he knows that she's on. Her house stands under three large oak trees. (laughs) (laughs) Got to go find those oak trees. (laughs) So then his plan is, all right, well, I'm going to eat granny and then her. This is going to be a terrific meal. And he goes on his merry way. Meanwhile, the baker finds his wife in the woods and he realizes that she didn't stay home. She's like, you need Mm -hmm. my help. You can't even remember the freaking ingredients that you're supposed to get. And in the process, they run into Jack, who is trying to sell Milky White for gold, you know, so that they can Mm -hmm. have money. But all that the baker and his wife have are these beans. Yeah, is this when they traded for the beans? Exactly. So they have they find these beans. Maybe they're the same ones that the father stole from the witch's garden. So they tell Jack that they have these magic beans. In one of my favorite scenes. It's a it's a terrific scene, right? The way that they discover, like, the baker and the baker's wife have to communicate non-verbally to oh. communicate this to Jack is so, so funny. They're able to do it. They're able to make the transaction and fool Jack into believing that these, you know, beans Not are... Not very ma- hard. Right? <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> um, that these beans are magic. And so he trades his beloved cow in a, a really sweet moment. I guess this is goodbye, old pal. Yeah. And You've been a perfect friend. <laughs> so he says goodbye to his beloved cow and takes the beans. The baker feels horribly uh, guilty for, you know, for doing this to this this kid. And the wife basically says, man up, dude. Do you want a child or yeah. not? Like, this isn't the worst lie everybody lies what's important is that we get the prize and who knows maybe they're really magic i'm just right. like actually stealing every lyric from song <laughs> well no he's he does say it the best and i think in some of the best wordplay of the show if the end is right it justifies, oh, the, justifies beans. the beans have yeah. you seen the musical theater compilation yes. Of course. Are you kidding? It's one of my favorites. So there, for those who don't know, YouTube has a, a whole bunch of different musical theater compilations in which they take one line or one section from a musical <laughs> and they scour all of the productions of the show and just do a montage of this one line. And for Into the Woods, they've done a Justify the Beans, and it makes me cry with laughter. It's the best thing. Jeff, can I can I tell you something? Please. Um, in the band's visit, the musical, um, actually Mark Ginsburg, local yes. phenomenal LA actor, who I know that you are planning something fun with him too. In the roller skating scene, it's me and him and um, the DJ, uh, who is played by the telephone guy Mike's follow. And Mark Ginsburg has to make an exit in the middle of the scene. And I would say nine times out of ten, or I guess 
seven times out of eight. Uh, Mike Cefalo <laughs> goes to Mark Ginsburg. Courtney, take your break. And then yeah. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> One of my favorites. Oh, Courtney, take your break. Courtney, take your break. And he goes, okay, in his Israeli accent. Oh, my gosh. That's freaking fantastic. So good. So So now they have the cow. That's good, right? Yes. One of the One of the five. Then we go back to Little Red, who has arrived at Granny's house. She thinks that Granny has mighty, you know, sharp teeth. Um, (laughs) Turns out. I love that this comes so early in the show. Right? It's so fun. Turns out it's the wolf. He's already eaten Granny, and he eats Little Red. Mm-hmm. Enter the baker who saves the day and slices open the wolf, and out comes Little Red and Granny. and Granny. They're saved, and now Little Red kind of very concisely expresses what she's learned from this whole experience. Oh, such a good song. It is. Nice is different than good. One of my favorite lyrics. Nice is different than good. Uh, excited and scared. I'm telling you, I feel like I quote Little Red more than anybody in this show. Yeah. She has some great one-liners. She does. You know what's... I keep bringing up the New York Times review, but it's so... It just fascinated me so much to see the perspective of 1987. Mm -hmm. The show was criticized for having these moments of clarity in these characters and I think so so early on in the show you've got Little Red you've got Jack doing Giants in the Sky and Cinderella doing On the Steps of the Palace Mm -hmm. all kind of stepping out to say and this is what I learned and I think that it's actually so profound because it's playing on this idea of fairy tales and moral stories but then and lessons right but then at the same time it's happening at the beginning of the show, meaning that that isn't ultimately the greatest lesson they learn. Mm-hmm. You know, it is only yeah. it's the lesson that takes them to their next lesson. And if, right. and I think that that is the overriding arc of this whole show is that choices lead to other choices mm-hmm. and you have to learn from each of them or then they're not they don't mean anything. Right. Right. After I know things now. Cinderella is running from the festival. It was running from the ball and falls and meets the baker's wife. Mm-hmm. One and, of a few times, right? Is it like yeah, two or three times? Yeah, exactly. So this is the first time that happens. Why do you think Cinderella is running from the ball? It isn't because it's uh, you know, about to strike midnight, but I think that you could probably find the same metaphor in there. Right. Well, she doesn't want to get in trouble with her family. That's True. number one. I mean, also, it's running like this whole show is about running. There's so many times when like they're running through the woods to get one thing and running through the woods to get another and they slam into each other. And like that's and Cinderella, there's always that joke that she's always falling. She's running from something. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I think she's she's running from her truth. For sure. Right. I mean, I think of all of the people, she's the one who is the, the saboteur. She's the yeah. one. Oh, yeah. She's the one who doesn't think she's worth what she actually wants. Yeah. And and I think that that is uh, that strikes a chord within me for sure. Yeah, very tragic. Sometimes the scariest thing about getting what you want is that you have to then face your dream. Mm-hmm. And oh, absolutely. So, and so she goes to the festival and meets the prince and has this perfect experience and then runs away from it. 
And I think we all do that uh, to some extent. Yeah, for sure. And so she sits down and has this conversation with the baker's wife who can't understand why on earth she would be running away from this glorious mm-hmm. experience and the prince. And and here I am, I'm married to a baker and we make bread and and it's not glamorous at all. And what is it like to be glamorous? I've always kind of secretly fantasized about it. Yeah. I mean, people baking their loaves of sourdough right now would beg to differ, but, <laughs> but for sure. The sourdough craze is real, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, in the process of of having this great scene, she loses the cow. She loses Milky White. Mm. The cow runs away. So now they don't have the cow. Oh, one thing I missed about uh, after I know things now is that because Little Red feels stronger than she did before. Oh, she, yeah, she, she no- gives the cape. She no longer needs her cape and gives it to the baker. This leads to the first midnight where all of the fairy tale characters kind of come through the stage and have these great one-liners like how on earth are you supposed to remember can i tell you the funniest story maybe ever oh my gosh theater stage please i can't wait um so yes those are really hard to keep track of because you'll be like sitting in your dressing room cooling off and then you'll hear the music and you'll be like ah and like run (laughs) to the wings um well this happened very real for uh our actress Zoe playing um, Jack's mother. She missed her cue, but her mic was still on. (laughs) And you just hear her just having a chat and then going, oh, and then, uh, sorry to curse, um, bleep me out, um, in front of 11,000 patrons at the Muni. Because there and, really are 11,000 people at the Muni. Yep, 11,000. And uh, we all just lost it because it was <sighs> so funny. It was so funny. It was amazing. Honestly, is there anything better? Like live theater, man. Absolutely not. If you want to see a perfect, rent the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Love that. Okay, so after the first midnight, we get Giants in the Sky, which is Jack's opportunity to say what happened. After his mom kind of threw away these beans that he traded away the cow for, a beanstalk grew. He climbs the beanstalk, obviously finds the giant, and has this kind of incredible experience. He, you know, makes the giants mad. I feel like he brings down five gold pieces. Yeah. Right? In order to buy his cow back from the baker. So he tries to buy back the cow. The baker's wife has lost the cow. And so they're kind of bumbling, trying to figure out what to do. And he's like, is it because you want more money? Well, then fine. I'll go back up the beanstalk and get something more. So then he, so then he's off. We then meet two princes. The princes, one is looking for Cinderella, who's been running away from the ball. And the other one is Rapunzel's prince. Now, as it turns out, when the witch... Oh my gosh, this show is so complex. So complex. Turns out when the witch put the curse on the baker's father, she stole their daughter. Right. And that daughter turns out to be Rapunzel. Wait, so Rapunzel and the baker are brother and sister. Exactly. I forgot about that. Yeah. My God. So then the witch hides... Rapunzel in a tower and 
a prince has stumbled upon her in the tower, as is in the story. And so now these princes are kind of sharing their toxic masculinity (laughs) in talking about how hard it is to want something that is just out of reach. Wow, I so love the way that you put that because it's so it's so making fun of toxic masculinity. Oh, for you know, sure. It's not it's like really making fun of itself. It's so no, good. nobody does toxic masculinity like Sondheim. Like when you look at Little Night Music, oh, even yeah. even I, I think Sweeney Todd and uh, mm-hmm. has some really interesting stuff. So, but Agony's funny and it takes a, a funny look at it. But the baker's wife overhears the prince talking about this maiden in tower with golden hair. And she's like, aha, an- another one Gotta of the it. ingredients we need. So she goes to pull the hair and she does. She gets the hair from Rapunzel. They find Milky White. They have the hair. They have the cape. And then the baker's wife has met Cinderella who has some pretty golden slippers that match her outfit that she got from her mom. So they're so close to getting what they want. Yeah, that was quick. And they sing this adorable song called It Takes Two, which is actually a, a probably one of the most optimistic songs about a relationship that Sondheim has ever written. <laughs> wow, that's so real. <laughs> Meanwhile, the witch has discovered that the prince has been meeting with Rapunzel She pretends that she's Rapunzel and pushes him out of the tower and he falls into some thorns and it blinds him. And then she punishes Rapunzel. So now this is... And is this when she sings Stay With Me? Yes. What an amazing song. Now, it's an incredible song. And I think that this is one of the areas where I didn't realize how deep this character is. Yeah. Because if you look at why the witch is putting Rapunzel in a tower. I feel like just growing up, you just accept that that's what witches do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you look at this this witch and who she is, she started out, like we said, before she was, you know, the, the ugly old witch that we know her as, she was this beautiful woman. She then, not because of her own actions, loses her beauty and is like, well, now I'm never going to meet someone, get married and have a family. So then she steals Rapunzel mm. because she's like, this is the only chance I'll have, a ch- I'll have to have a child, you know, protects her, wants to protect her. But then she starts growing up and becoming beautiful. And she's like, look, girl, I was where you are. I was beautiful. It didn't last. And so stay with me and I'll keep you safe in this tower. Mm-hmm that's that's a freaking real character and a very real parent. I've met that parent yeah. before, you oh, know? Yes, we all have. <laughs> there's just, there are some profound truths about parenting in this pr- part of the story, for sure. Yeah. And, and what's amazing is that it's the witch and Rapunzel who aren't even blood-related. Right. My favorite lyric in that song is... Princes wait there in the world is true. Princes yet, but wolves and humans too. Because exactly. she, they, he could have written wolves and giants, wolves and, uh, you know, monsters. Wool, you know, but they say wolves and humans. Yeah, because which is like what what brought about one of her most tragic moments in her life? A baker, just a mere yeah. human who took the beans right. from the garden. Right. Right. It's a gorgeous song. Now, the the musical motif, and I have to hand this to my dear friend Ellen McMahon, who's one of the best musical directors I ever worked with. She pointed out to me that the bean motif, you know, when the baker sells 
or buys Milky White with the beans, and it goes mm-hmm. bum 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 bum. And yeah. and that is also in Stay With Me. Stay yeah. with me, Stay the, with world. the world. Yeah. In this piece of musical magic, an inversion of that kind of motif is people make mistakes. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's crazy. It's freaking insane. Like full body chills right now, even just thinking about it. I also just love something I love about the show is that every character has their own introduction, their right. own musical introduction. It's so great. It's so it's so smart. It's so complex. And ah! I know. I know. It's so good. It's it's so good. good. <laughs> um, all right. So then I guess we can probably just skip to, to Cinderella. Yeah, so, on the steps of the palace. Yeah. So Cinderella runs away from the ball again. But the the prince, knowing that she's a runner. Uh, yeah. Just decides to put pitch on the stairs. Now, into the woods is what taught me what pitch means. Yeah, I don't even think I ever even heard the word until into the woods. Agreed, but I guess it's like archaic. Pitch is a very you know sticky substance, and so then she's <laughs> standing there stuck on the steps of the palace, and you know she takes the moment to reflect a little bit on her life and why she keeps running away from that w- from which she wants. Is that even a sentence? She keeps running away from what she wants. How about that? Right. That's good. Her conclusion that she comes to is that what she's going to do is not make a decision, but leave a clue to him. Because if, in fact, he really wants her, then maybe he'll put forth a little bit more effort. And so she leaves a shoe in the glue and now she's running around the woods with just one shoe, which means it's a perfect opportunity to run in with the baker's wife, who explains uh, in a very funny way that she needs her shoe to have a baby. She needs her shoe. That is one of the best lines in musical theater. For sure. And so then Cinderella, since her, she only has one shoe, she decides to give the other one to the baker's wife. So now they have all of the ingredients. Yeah. Love it. This kind of leads to the ending of Act One, in which they feed all of the ingredients to the cow as white as milk and produce this, you know, in order to produce the substance that the witch can drink and then the spell is broken. Everything works except for Rapunzel's hair because the witch has touched the hair and she, the one of the rules right. is that she couldn't have touched the ingredients. Yeah, they didn't, she didn't like explicitly say that in her rap. She was talking about cabbages and peppers. <laughs> she could have said was, parsley, peppers, don't touch the ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Maybe we can change that because 2020 is not such a great year. Yeah, thank Hindsight, you. Hindsight is 2019. <laughs> Hindsight is pre-2016. Let's just, yeah. let's just say it. Yeah. Uh, maybe hindsight is 1987 and we just don't know it. Like truly, the, the year of Into the Woods should be the basis of everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Our neutral. Our basis, yeah. Oh, there's been this mysterious man coming in and out of the story as well. and Who like arguably would be like like the one thing I, I would. Like I know he's like major in um, No More, but like he's like the one thing I would kind of cut. Yeah. Out of the sh- storyline. Like, I guess you kind of need it, but like, eh. For the theme of, like I said, the fact that parents don't really go away in this show, whether it's mm-hmm. because of the choices they make or literally their physical presence, 
he kind of plays an important part because he turns out to be the baker's father. Right. Who has kind of been in hiding, maybe haunted by the guilt of his actions in creating this curse that has left the his son without a child. But because of that, he's also very invested in making sure that they get the ingredients to break the curse. Right. So when they realize that Rapunzel's hair is not the right ingredient, he suggests that maybe they pull the hair from uh the corn. from corn. Once again, vegetables save the day. <laughs> and they feed the like the silky hair of the corn to the cow, which works. Milky White starts giving some milk, the witch drinks it, the spell is broken, and the witch turns into a gorgeous Bernadette Peters. Yes. Uh Every witch should be so lucky. Yeah, truly. <clears throat> Vanessa Williams ain't so bad. Oh my gosh. Stunning. Stunning model. Ridiculous. <laughs> then we go back to Cinderella, who now has the prince visiting her house to see if any of the occupants can wear the slipper. Now, this is actually one of my favorite parts of the show, where the prince gives the shoe to the stepsisters to try on. Neither of their feet really work, and so the stepmother literally maims them and cuts <laughs> off either their toe or their heel Going in order to, to the fit the shoe in. Grim. Yes, and yeah. how? But like, how profound? How many times do we as a society tell women to change how they look wow, or change yeah. their bodies in order to be? either lovable or to land themselves a man because if they do that'll take care of all of their problems like who cares if you can't walk at least you'll be married right it's you know? the, the the parents theme in the show again is like so multi-layered there's so many different kinds of parents in this show there's like you know wanting a child there's having a child not wanting to lose a child it's wanting your child to be perfect it's not having your child be perfect enough it's you know losing your child it's just so layered for sure wow cinderella tries on the bloody slipper <laughs> and it fits perfectly, and so Cinderella has found her prince, and they're going to be happy. Meanwhile, Cinderella's bird friends, because Cinderella talks to birds, uh, poke out the eyes of the of the stepsisters. So now they're blind and they can't walk, um, which is unfortunate a, for them. Which is unfortunate, but also kind of a Observed. hilarious hilarious piece of karma for the audience yeah. to enjoy. And the whole company sings this great very optimistic ever after song which hardest lyrics to learn in all of musical theater oh my gosh oh my god it's such a hard song we went over those lyrics so many times even harder than um your fault oh for sure yeah because it's it's lists it's just lists right Mm -hmm. yeah and to have to get wait to i don't remember it to have to get to something to save to kill to keep to go to the festival oh it's so hard because it's so almost mind-numbing i think is almost the point Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's like it, we all have our own reasons for doing things. We all have our wants and desires. And if this just sounds like a jumble of words, it's because it actually kind of is. It is. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. It, what matters is how one of those things uh, is related to one person's journey and story. And this is where the fairy tales usually end. And so we go to intermission and then come back and realize that there's an entire other musical. <laughs> Woo, buckle up, baby. Okay, so going back to your whole Sweeney Todd thing about how, you know, it was done in the pie shop. 
what would you be able to buy at the Into the Woods Farmer's Market during wow, intermission? Wow, parsley, peppers, cabbages, and watercress, and fiddle ferns, and lettuce. That would make for a gassy second act, I'm just saying. And bread, and bread. I, I guess I would say like some sort of like gorgeous vegetable sandwich you could mm. have, plus like some baked goods, like um, you know, anything that the baker would sell in their shop. I mean, like honestly, this would make a lot of money. Yes. You could charge $8 for a, a vegetable slider on homemade bread. Yeah, this would be like a really gorgeous farm-to-table restaurant called this, Into the Woods. This might be the next incarnation of dinner theater. Uh, how has nobody done this yet? I'm not kidding. It's ours. Let's make our own um, dinner theater. We'll into bring the back Woods dinner, dinner theater. theater. <laughs> yeah. Sarah I'm, and Jeff's Into the Woods dinner theater. I'm so down. I love dinner theater. That was where I got my equity card at Westchester Broadway Dinner Theater. It's really fun. It it was great. They have great chicken marsala there. Ooh, that sounds really delish. excellent chicken marsala. And um, what's the other one, RJ? Tomato and mozzarella. No, oh, no, not the fresh caprese salad. Like the dessert. <laughs> what's the dessert? <laughs> the peach melba. Sorry, peach melba. Peach melba. Excellent. I don't even know what that is. It's like it's vanilla ice cream with like those canned peaches and then like a wafer cookie. It's o- it's one of the most nostalgic t- tastes. That's yeah, absolutely so nostalgia right there. You like you. So can we please have peach melba, even though it has nothing to do with Into the Woods? I, oh, for theater? sure, for sure. I'm sure there Thank are peach so trees. Much. Oh yeah. Uh, I think in the Rocky Mountains where I'm from, we would call that like peach cobbler. Like we would yeah. go more of a cobbler route. There's no like um, gorgeous crunchy topping, but I think that the 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 vanilla wafer kind of takes that spot for sure. So it's it, probably like a, I would consider the peach texture. melba. Yeah, like a deconstructed peach cobbler, sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, we're set. We just need the funding. Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? Oh, you're too busy buying toilet paper? Got it. All right. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, the second act starts with this song where we realize that Happy Ever After doesn't really last very long, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's one of the things that I actually had a problem with with the film version of Into the Woods, which I'm actually not all that interested in talking about. but Yeah, I don't even remember what they did, but... <laughs> because of the lack of intermission in the movie, yeah, the, the action just has to continue, and the discontent oh, happens I immediately. I don't remember that at all. And, and that's what I love about this intermission, is that you know that time has passed, and that things aren't as happy as they had once wished. Right. Cinderella is kind of bored with her her life in the palace. And Jack keeps dreaming of his time in Beanstalk land. Mm-hmm. The baker's wife and they the, have their baby. They have their baby, which is amazing. But now they don't have any room <laughs> because they're trying to run a business and raise a child all in this tiny space. The wow, wit- that's very real right now. <laughs> For sure. Then you have the witch who got her beauty back and she's, you know, ecstatic about that, but in the meantime has lost her powers. Oh, what would you choose? Beauty or powers? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do I look like Vanessa Williams? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, she, I can't even remember what her witch looked like. I only remember her beauty and I yeah. remember Bernadette's witch so vividly. For sure. But. I don't know. It, yeah. It, I guess it's what the powers are. Are the powers just that I have a staff and the like pyrotechnics come out of it? Uh, I'll take the beauty. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> also, uh, like no one else has powers and they're just fine. So figure it out. For sure. Put on your pants just like everybody else. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, what's up with Little Red? We discover that she, instead of wearing a red cape, is now wearing... Yeah, we discovered that in the first act in this adorable scene with Jack um, that her grandmother made her a new uh, fur cape from the skins of the wolf. Yes. But in this, in the prologue, she comes back to get um, some more bread and lets them know that a great wind, quote unquote, a great wind has blown her house down um, and she oh, can't right. find her mother. Um, at, the, at the end of So Happy, at the end of the second act opener, there's this huge crash, like a huge uh-huh. earthquake sounding thing. And yeah, and then Little Red believes it was a great wind that blew down her house. No, Nobody else is really believing that it's a wind. Um, yeah, we all got to flee the winds now. Go yeah. back into the woods. And Cinderella realizes, okay, I need to go find out what's going on. Make sure that my mother's grave is okay. Jack's like, you know, sense of adventure, let's go. The witch's garden is completely destroyed by what looks like a huge footprint. And so the baker and his wife are like, we got to get our family out of here. That footprint could have been us. So everybody heads back into the woods to figure out what on earth is happening. And what has happened is that the giant has come down from Beanstalk land hunting Jack because Jack was the one who slayed her husband, right? Yeah. Um, the giant is a woman! One of my favorite, <laughs> uh, other favorite lines. Since the giant is kind of walking all over this kingdom, it's driving everybody into chaos. And, oh my gosh, you guys, this is this giant is coronavirus. Um, <clears throat> oh my God, for real. And kind of sending everybody into... Panic, kind of, destruction. Into, into panic and into like not recognizing their lives anymore and yeah. needing to know what what to do next. So the royal family has a, is flee. is fleeing because the castle has been destroyed and they don't have any, you know, desire to fight the giant. And so wow, now that's so real. Right? All the people leaving New York. Everybody has their own reactions to either you know, believing that the giant even exists or how you fight it. Maybe we should just go in hiding. Like, it, it's, you guys. It like is the, coronavirus. It's kind of crazy. And what our central characters decide to do is is fight the giant because what the giant wants is Jack and they're not willing to give Jack up. Mm-hmm. And the witch, meanwhile, is like, just give him Jack. And they're like, no, we can't sacrifice him. We can't sacrifice that life. And what I love is that she turns to Little Red and is like, oh, really? That uh, fur cape. Ask a wolf's mother. Yeah. It doesn't seem like you were really worried about killing things when you you had that cape made for you. (laughs) Self-defense. Right? But this is one of the really complex things that I think the show depicts so well is that there are two sides to everything, even when you believe that there's a clear right side right. or wrong side. The the morals are still complex. I think about when like Zero Dark Thirty happened and Osama yeah. and Osama bin Laden was killed, and I remember there were like celebrations and parties. And I know that it was because he for many people represented this like constant state of anxiety and fear right. and terrorism but like celebrating someone's death feels 
so bad. <laughs> so wrong, right? Yeah. And and I was like, I know that this is like a victory, but it feels to me like a tragedy that we had to kill one of our own because we right. are, I do believe like we're all connected as a human family. Yeah. That we had that we had to kill one of our own in order to like make something positive well, something, happen. That there's nothing something that is very prevalent in this show that we haven't really discussed yet is greed and how it's like a major, major overarching theme in stealing from other people in order to get you what you want, and stealing mm-hmm. from other people to to barter and and keeping people locked up. Like every character in this in this musical has major major greed well just that like that fine line between wanting something like there there is something innately beautiful about reaching for the stars yeah i mean certainly that's what our careers are based on (laughs) right uh is following your dreams and where does that cross into greed and when does this quote-unquote greater good end up being more of a greater bad you know, yeah. a, a, a not only a detriment to society, but to your own soul. What are you sacrificing yeah. in yourself to get what you think you want? Yeah. Uh, what else are we, what else are we missing? There are there are some well, things that I'm skipping, but I have down um, lament um, oh, when when Rapunzel one of my dies. favorite lyrics in the show: "Children can only grow from something you love to something you lose," which is like, ugh, punch in the <laughs> gut. The, the, the harsh reality of a parent that the best case scenario of having a child is that they will leave you. <laughs> yeah. Woo! So, so deep. But yeah. so Rapunzel gets squished by the giant in like what what is, I think, the first death of one of our characters, Main characters. in the show. Yeah. Um, which is really hard to watch. It should be said that Rapunzel has had definite psychological consequences for being trapped in a tower (laughs) and so she's prone to fits of crying and depression and it's caused her prince to you know once again throw himself into the self-woes of agony and look for other women to conquer and Mm -hmm. and so she's hysterical which i think has to play on the witch's guilt again you know because not only is not only (laughs) Not only she was she right, her. not yeah. only was she right, because I think that all parents want to do is protect their children from pain. Yeah, right. But you can't because pain right. is inevitable. But what you can, mm-hmm. I think, do is teach children not to suffer. Because and children will listen. They do. They do. And what, unfortunately, what Rapunzel got from the witch is that the world is cold and cruel. And so then when she realizes it is, she's inconsolable. Yeah. And in kind of running around in those fits of depression, she ends up getting smushed by the giant. Yeah. So sad. Um, and then but then we move into speaking of looking to conquer other women, we run into like almost the greatest deception of the show, which like screws me up a little bit um, when the baker's wife cheats on the baker with the prince just before she dies it's rough it's so intense we all love this character so much and to see her make these choices is so painful for people that they're like i i we can't do this 
<laughs> well, but that's part of the lessons of all of this, too. You it know, is. like it it's not they can't wrap this up in a perfect little bow because people are flawed. People make mistakes. Fathers, mothers, everybody makes mistakes. Exactly. Her mistake comes while going back into the woods to, I think, find the giant. Is that right? Is that what she's kind of looking for? Yeah. Um, and she is very set on how, you know, counting a hundred paces so that she doesn't go any further than that. And then she meets the prince. And we know that she's kind of had this fantasy of living um, regal princess life. Mm-hmm. And so then when the prince kind of comes on to her, she she goes with it. She and Yeah. And, and then she sings one of the best songs ever written for the American musical theater moments in the woods. It's so good. <laughs> it sounds so trite. I think Rob McClure, who played our baker, said in an interview somewhere, or maybe like we were chatting about it. I can't remember what when he said this, but the lyric, must it all be either less or more, either plain or grand? Is it always or? Is it never and? That's what woods are for, for those moments in the woods. Um that when he says that's what woods are for is a play on the word woods because the word W-O-U-L-D is what woods are for. It's it's unreal, actually. Dang. I didn't I know, even think about that. I know. That. Just blew your mind. Thanks, Rob McClure. Jeez Louise. That's cool. This is another moment where as I grew older, this song has become more important to me. Mm-hmm. L- looking at where my faults are where uh where i've stumbled where i where i've grown you're like well that's what the woods are for yeah and then as soon as she kind of has this epiphany about life and her experience she's killed by the giant she's killed by coronavirus sorry that wasn't funny but like kind of you know yeah but the circumstances in which her little society is you know crumbling crumbling yeah it is no respecter of persons and it takes her out as well so now the baker finds out that his wife has the been killed. The killed her, yeah. Uh, the witch, you know, has lost Rapunzel. And this sends everybody into this... Blame game. Because that's what we do, right? Yeah. We want to feel something other than grief. And so what's better is to place the blame on someone. Which is exactly what's going on right now in our society, too, of like the who didn't give us enough time and the president didn't do this. And I mean, everybody's looking for an answer. Yeah. It's this amazing patter song about whose fault it is. And it's both hilarious and very uh, strategic and effective. Mm -hmm. That gives way to Last Midnight, which talk about like 11 o'clock number. So Heather Headley did a very very jazzy version of last midnight Ooh! and it was a sight to behold i will tell you that's cool really unique and different and um really cool to witness this character just keeps getting more interesting to me because she kind of announces herself as not necessarily the moral compass because she's not interested in being nice she's interested Mm -hmm. in being right yeah and what comes out of that is kind of this cynicism that leads to her committing suicide in my in my view. I th- oh, she absolutely commits suicide, no doubt about it. She has been swallowed up in her grief and says, "Look, we're all alone, we all die alone. None of this matters because obviously all you guys are looking for is some someone to blame, so I'm out of here. Peace out." Yeah. 
And I mean, ha- thank God, thank God that he wrote No One Is Alone as the antithesis to that song. Exactly. After that song, we see the baker and his father, a.k.a. the mysterious man, have this wonderful scene about how we inherit curses from our families for mm-hmm. generations. And sometimes we spend all our lives trying to undo them only to create new ones. And it's, and to not know and to not know. Yeah. Even him in, in so many ways blaming his father for everything that he's gone through and then realizing that he is his father. Like how, we all go through that. Right. Right. Like father, like son. Yeah. So no more is uh, the baker's impetus to go back to the group because his his grief has kind of taken him away. Um, And so now he has found a renewed strength to look out for his son to make sure Mm -hmm. that he's not doing the same mistakes. Right. His Um, father did. So now the group is back together. Yeah. At least the ones who are alive. And they have they come up with a plan to plan. Yeah to defeat the giant and the plan is to lure the giant's wife into the spot where they can put pitch on the ground uh-huh. circa <laughs> circa Cinderella yeah. and and so then she'll be stuck and if the baker and jack can be in a tree really close to her then they can strike her on the head and then right? the birds can poke her eyes out and the exactly Actually, the moment, not to skip ahead, because I definitely want to talk about No One Is Alone, but the moment where that happens is like the lead up to that is like so intense. And then the moment happens really quickly. And then it's like, da, 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 da. And you're like, okay, that's it. It's that theater thing where how much can you really do? <laughs> yeah. How much can you really do in a theater? Right. Projections. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with South Pacific, where we've been talking about this mission that they're going to go on, and then you find out what happens by someone else listening to the radio. And you're like, oh, okay. I really, South Pacific is not my jam, if I'm being honest. I get it. There's a whole episode about it, though, on a musical theater podcast. You should listen to it, and it's actually quite good. (laughs) Maybe I'll I'll take a dive. So, yes, now Jack and the baker are in the tree waiting for the giant. Little Red and Cinderella and the baker's son, the baby, are all in another location. Oh, my God. Another thing is one time, oh, my gosh, when I was doing the show, I almost forgot because, you know, Little Red has the baby uh, right. for a, a chunk there. And one time I forgot, I almost forgot to take the baby on stage oh, with me. Shoot. And it was like a huge plot point. And uh, Elena Shadow who plays Cinderella we were literally just about to enter and she was like where's the baby I was like oh my god and I like <laughs> ran and I got the prop baby like the not the real baby it was like the spare baby because the muni is so large that if I I had left the baby in my dressing room that's why I didn't have it and <sighs> I didn't have enough time to run back to my dressing room so I like grabbed some friggin prop baby that was like an extra and it was literally the scariest moment of my life Oh my gosh! I thank almost, goodness, I though. I would have had to be like, Elena Shadow saved the show. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have known what to do. She would have been like, "Where's the baby?" And I would have been like, "One second. And I would have like run off stage and gotten the baby and come back. She's like, "Where's the baby?" And you're like, "Poison boot." Yeah. <laughs> oh God! Wow, uh, I forgot about that until that moment. That was so scary. That's when your heart just completely sinks, sinks into god your stomach thank god she told me she was like where's the baby i was like oh my god <gasps> but the baby made on at least the prop yep. baby made it on 
the prop baby made it on. There's also this baby that um, I forget his name. Somebody has to tell me when this podcast comes out. But there's this baby, Antoine, Antoine, Tuan, Tuan Baker. That's the baby's name, Tuan Baker. Uh, there's this baby that makes its way all around Broadway. And um, I think Jen Cody may have started this. I'm not sure. But um, but there's this baby, Tuan Baker, that is in like all of these Broadway productions. And it, it makes its way across the U.S. into all of these different productions. I think he has more Broadway credits than like people who have won the gypsy robe. Like he's been in like maybe 15 Broadway shows. And he, he was our he was our baby. And I left him in the friggin dressing room. Sorry, Tuan. <laughs> I my mind is blown. I did not know that. And also, I feel bad now that when I was talking about your starry cast of Into the Woods, I didn't bring him up because he may have been the biggest celebrity of everyone. He really was. He really he should have. I feel like he probably does have an Instagram. If he does have an Instagram, you better believe he's getting tagged in this post. Heck yes. Okay, so now no one is alone. It happens. And it's really born out of the fact that Little Red realizes that the Great Wind, also known as the Giant, a.k.a. the coronavirus, has killed her mom. Finally. Come on, Little Red. And now what does Cinderella have to offer her? She has to offer this really beautiful song. You know, he, he's so poetic in the way that he describes the complexities of the song. But I think another title for this song could be You Don't Exist in a Vacuum. You know, be- <laughs> I kind of like that <laughs> because yes, the the song is about you know you know that we are not alone, but it's also this idea of there's no reason to feel alone because if you do, then you think that your choices don't matter, and they mm-hmm. absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Even if you like, there's even almost if they're some- the wrong ones. Even though if they're the wrong ones, everything that we do creates ripples that affect other people, and. That fact alone is a reason to never feel alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so important in to to think about right now with what we're going through, that there is this kind of sense of isolation that people are coming up against. And the truth is, is that our choices, even during this time, will affect generations to come. Yeah. yeah. And maybe even more so than ever. Man, what would we do without musical theater to teach us these things? <laughs> I wouldn't know anything. That's where this whole podcast comes from is the fact that everything I've learned either from American history or my own emotional journey comes from these stories and the storytelling that's found within them. And I'm just so grateful to have a career that allows me to look into them as an actor or or director or whatever. And so important. Really personalize them because it's really, truly been one of the greatest gifts of my life. For real. I can't imagine, I mean, I can't imagine a world without Into the Woods. I can't imagine, like, not having these songs. But I really, really can't imagine an Into the Woods without No One Is Alone. Agreed. It's like the pinnacle of the of the show. So uh, their plan does work. They defeat the giant. There is kind of, it, it, it's so interesting, though, because you're like, well, th- th- that's just another giant. Who's Who's to say there's not another giant and another giant and another giant and, you know whatever it might be, whatever wind might come your way. Right. Who's not to say that there's not another wave of Corona? Yeah. And and I think that that is like the beautiful thing of this show is that every time we get to the end of a chapter, it's really only informing the next chapter. And even and you're the, always going to go back into the woods to get what you want. Yeah. So there's something universal and God. 
continual there's about so many themes in the show it i'm just is. thinking like it's, it's like so a, dense I, I would not want to be high and watching the show because I would literally never be able to come back from it. But the cyclical nature of the show, too, is like starting where we began is like mirroring the storybook thing. But it's also like life is cyclical and birth and rebirth and death and rebirth. And woo, it's in there. Now, at the end of this whole ordeal, the baker is left with his child and is just kind of speaking out loud. Oh, shoot. Now I'm getting emotional. You got to talk. Talk about it. (laughs) So so at the end of the show, he's talking about how how is he going to raise this child without without a mother, how he 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 can't do it. And um, the baker's wife sings this beautiful moment that he has a father's intuition and and he'll know what to do if he just tells their story. Keep telling stories. Um. And man, that's that. Keep telling stories is. Uh, we have to do it, you woo, guys. We have yeah. to keep it going. We got to keep. We got to keep doing it. We got to keep telling the stories. We got to keep creating. We have to keep keep the magic alive, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Because so uh, I mean, who are we without our stories? Yeah, yeah. Who are we without owning our stories, even? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that gives way to the witch coming and singing. Children will listen. Which is uh, a beautiful way to wrap up the show. Yeah, and a beautiful way to get, to give give the witch her leading lady status. Yeah, Close, absolutely. Closing out the show after giving the 11 o'clock number of her dreams. Yeah, seriously. One of my um, favorite lyrics from this song is, careful the tale you tell, that is the spell. Mm-hmm. Um, Words matter. Yeah, and if you're looking to cast a spell, you know, like a witch would, it really is the tales that we tell because they sink deep into our DNA mm-hmm. and really kind of inform who we are and what we do and how we relate to one another. Wow. I think I might just have to go watch the original production again. We're so lucky to have that. Yeah. Um, and I also think, and this might be kind of a controversial thing to say, I also think that having that original version on film as expertly as we do kind of ruins the show a little bit. And A little bit, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, I think it definitely ruined it for the revival, but I don't think because regional theater and other theater is so important too, like, I don't, I don't know if it necessarily ruins other versions, especially because people are doing such new and creative and different things with it. For but sure. But I think for that Broadway version, it's everything's going to stack up against that for yeah. sure. It really is kind of a film thing, because if somebody were to say, we're going to remake The Wizard of Oz, everyone would be like, what? No, why? You don't need to remake The Wizard of Oz. And to a certain degree, because we have that quintessential version. Yeah, you're like, don't do it. Don't even touch it. You're like, like, we don't need it. Who needs it? We have it. Yeah, that's kind of real. Well, we have it, but like experiencing live theater is... is, 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 is something something completely different, for sure. Theater is a singular experience that and that's what makes it so amazing right that we can go into a theater and then it, it, you never you never get to experience it again and that's why you have to be yeah. really present um and so it's live beautiful. and it's yeah and that's what's so special about it that's what's going to bring it back with such a vengeance because we're all going to go through all of our netflix shows we're going to go through all of our hulu shows that we want to watch and then what are we going to be left with we need the live theater you need that communal experience mm-hmm. need that's so true 
Well, thank you so much, Miss Sarah, for doing this with this me. I had so much fun. We talked me forever. Too. And um, yeah, we know. Well, the show is it, it, it requires it. Let us know how to follow you. Instagram at Sarah Kapner. And uh, that's it. <laughs> yes. And then come see the band's visit when we reopen, wherever, whenever and wherever that is. Check the website because they've listed what I can share and I'm not sure what that is. So, okay. um, yeah. yeah, take a look at the website and hopefully we'll all be able to gather in theaters very, very soon. Huzzah. As always, if you have a recommendation for shows that you'd like us to cover on a musical theater podcast, you can always email us at a musical podcast at gmail.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at a musical podcast for more great content and check out our new T Public store that has a lot of fun shirts with quotes from some of our most beloved episodes. Who knows? There may be an Into the Woods one in the works as we speak. <laughs> Thanks again, Sarah. Of course. Thank you, Jeff. What should our tagline be for this? Oh, my God. Nice is different than good. Let's let's bring it back to Little Red. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.